Hello everyone, welcome back, welcome, welcome, welcome to the third episode of the Curiosity Complex with myself, Nat. I was going to make a really bad joke about a guest, like a little bad pun, but I'm not going to subject you to that, I don't think we need that in our lives. So, just quickly, a really massive thanks to everyone that sent me feedback, I'll talk about this a bit later, but thanks so much to for listening, following on Spotify, and all the feedback, it's been amazing, it's been a great journey so far, I've really enjoyed doing this, so hopefully this carries on and we, we talk about a lot of interesting stuff that everyone finds cool, they're curious about, all of that sort of thing, so... Yeah, let's just get straight to it. I'm so excited. He's a really good friend of mine. He has an amazing story to tell, and I can't wait to experience it with you all. So, without further ado, I'll let the man himself introduce himself. Hi, guys. I'm Matt. Um, nice, nice to be here. Great to be here today. Uh, my name is Nico. I'm 24 years old. I'm originally from Germany, um, and currently I'm working as a marine biologist out in the Seychelles on a teeny tiny island in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> sick. Sweet. That's a sick job. Um, what are kind of your other interests outside of um, that amazing job? Um, well, I've, we went to uni together. We played American football together there. So that's always a big thing for me, like playing it, watching it. True. Um, obviously couldn't do a lot of that lately, like with no Wi-Fi and no TV. Yeah. Um, no, apart from that, I always loved sports, going to the gym, playing a bit of soccer when I was uh, younger, and then obviously diving, photography um videography anything really i can get my hands on i can try out and do out in the open yeah sweet perfect okay well um i guess the point of this podcast today this episode at least is to talk about firstly nico's advice and potentially mine on finishing uni and what it's like to try and find jobs and things like that um and i personally am really curious about nico's job so i think if we have a chat about that that'd be really interesting as well um so let's get started. First question of the day, bang it out. What is the best piece of advice that you can give for someone coming out of uni? The singer, the single best piece of advice, I'd say, is be, be prepared to be organised. Um, because obviously in uni, you can do whatever you want. Like you chill with your mates, you go to lectures or you don't. Um, you're last minute for all your deadlines. Go out when you shouldn't. Um, and I think obviously when the real real life is catching up to you and you have to get a job, you have to be organized. It might be a little bit of a shock for a lot of people. Um, yeah, so just like get applications out early, write them up as soon as, soon as you can really um, and just prepare to grow up really and mature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you mentioned applications there. Have you got any uh, um, advice about writing applications and applying for different jobs? Yeah, like I think applications, obviously, it's really, really important to make sure you identify your skills, like what you can do, um, soft yeah. skills, hard skills. And with that, university will help you as well. Like they always have workshops and stuff. Um, and just make sure you get them out early. If you graduate in July and you want to start working in July, August, obviously, if you start applying in June with absolutely everyone else, um, people will get like hundreds of applications in for the same job. But then if you just do it in January, February, March, even a couple months early, make sure you let them know when you graduate, um, put up all your uh, your experience, put any, anything in your CV, in your cover letter, and then just let them know early that you're interested. And most of the time, people will get back to you. And yeah. if they, even if they turn you down, like ask for the reasons why. Ask what skills you need, what experience you need to get. And that, that helped me massively. I always ask if I send out a job application, I didn't get it. I'm always like, oh, could we just explain in two, three sentences why I didn't get it and what I should do in the future um, to obviously avoid that. And yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sweet. 
Perfect. Um, so I think you make a good point there, to be fair. Like the the uni workshops for making CVs and things like that are so, so useful. And no one really that I've heard of actually uses them. And the people that run them yeah. do that for a living. And it's really important to get a good CV. People just think, you know, you chuck it down in a Word document. But the layout <laughs> of a CV is actually way more different than you'd expect a lot of the time. Yeah, definitely, definitely is. Yeah, yeah, it's really important, really good point to to kind of use the people available to you because they are free most of the time at university. So it's like, why wouldn't you use it? I guess. Um, exactly. Yeah. So I guess the next question is, what challenges did you face when you when you personally came out of uni? Um, it was obviously a bit of uncertainty for me. It was getting I I applied early and I got the job before I even graduated. So obviously I had to make the choice not to go to graduation ceremony, which I personally think is obviously is nice. You've got your robes on, you see your friends, family and everything. Uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just a lot of money to rent a gown and stand there to shake someone's hand that you don't. Uh, anyway. That's a different story. Sorry for another day. <laughs> no, I, I definitely say um, um, it was hard to obviously get that structure and get into, into work life. Like I said, at at university you live with your best mates that you've known for probably a couple of years um you kind of got your routine you can do what you want whenever you want you go to lectures you have maybe two three four lectures or you sit in the library and if not you can just go out and do whatever you want even during the week um even going out and obviously at work you probably won't have that much freedom you either have your nine to five or maybe like i do i've got obviously a quite specialized job but it's, um it's just getting used to a completely different routine that was massive for me um yeah that took me a lot of time to get into to be fair yeah okay fair enough so you obviously you got this this job out what's the company called in the Seychelles oh I'm working for a global vision international it's a it's like a volunteering company they've got projects all over the world um they're volunteers they come over they join the programs and they either do community work they do um work in terrestrial or marine conservation where they do surveys um, gather data we show them how to do everything um, and it's basically long-term monitoring of different ecosystems that we do yeah oh, that sounds sick so what was like the journey that got you to got you into that because that's like the dream job you know like <laughs> the i mean me, me, and, me and one of my housemates were saying like it's just one of the like the dream job you're literally you live on a beach man that the amount of profile yeah. pictures of you diving in clear waters and there's beaches and palm trees man it's ridiculous and that is the dream like life is a beach for you and I was it just is, like, yeah it really is <laughs> how did you get to that job what what led you to getting to that job when you came out of uni yeah I think um I had I guess it was a mixture of luck and obviously like uni results and experience and stuff so before, um, like starting off before uni, how I actually got into it all, I started diving when I was like 10 years old together with my dad. So I always loved diving, loved the oceans, um, the yeah. marine environment, always super interested in that aspect. And then um, I first volunteered with GBI. So I was one of the guys that I now teach uh, six years ago now. Oh, wow. And yeah, literally, I think it was actually in like two weeks is my sixth, sixth year volunteering anniversary. No way, that's sick. Uh, yeah, it was ages ago. And yeah, so basically after school, took a gap year, got into that a little bit more, like made my dive master, which is a professional diving qualification where you um, learn how to teach divers, lead them on their dives. Um, yeah, and also got my coral reef research diver, which is a big thing that definitely helped me because you learn how to survey reefs, different animals living on there. Um, yeah, so I definitely say that was obviously the stepping stone. Afterward, went to uni, like we went to Bangor together. 
Um, yeah, so Bangor is in North Wales, for anyone who doesn't know that. A really good uni for marine biology, big, big department there, loads of nice stuff. Um, so I did marine biology and zoology there for four years, did my integrated master's and then graduated last year. And yeah, as I said earlier, I literally went straight back out to the Seychelles and got a job there. Um, again, I applied early for it, got turned down. Uh, obviously, straight away, as I said, messaged them back and was like, oh, how come Like, I've volunteered with you guys? I've got a master's. I've got all of this. Like, why Why can't I get a yeah. job? Yeah. Um, and it was just the reason they said that someone else took it internally. They were there as an intern and they were ready to take it so they didn't have to sort the visas and everything. Yeah, so that's fair. often the case that they don't have to obviously take someone in from outside. Um, yeah, so I had that and got the next one. They offered one straight away afterwards. They were like, oh, we've got another position coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, but obviously we can interview you for this and then can hopefully offer you that job. And I was like, sweet. Got the, got the interview like a week later and then got offered the job. Oh, yeah. Perfect. So you make a good point now about asking for feedback after, you know, you get turned down. Yeah. Uh, is that something you'd recommend for people to be doing? 100%. Obviously, don't be like, oh, why why did I not get this? You should hire me. Like that approach. Um, obviously, say thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your honesty. And just say, would you mind giving me some advice on what skill, what skill I can get or what experience I should acquire um, if I was to apply to a similar position or apply here again in the future. And then most of the time, people will definitely help you. Like if they yeah. obviously email you back anyway and saying you don't have the job, then they're just going to get back to you and send you two free sentences. And that definitely helps. Like I would 100% recommend that. Yeah, perfect. Oh, that's really good advice, I think. So what about, obviously you said you got turned down. Is the way, was that quite disheartening for you? Did you have to you know, pick yourself back up or was it more a case of, ask for the feedback and go again because you know you were confident you could get that job sort of thing yeah i mean it's a bit of both i guess um like when i sent out applications obviously gvi for me was the thing i was like oh, i want to go back there i was there before best time of my life diving like you said diving living on the beach living the dream yeah um, so obviously applied there and that was the only job i applied to when i applied in january obviously putting all my hopes into it yeah, um, yeah. And then my, I spoke to my mom and she was like, what is wrong with you? Why would you only apply for one job? Like, it's so, so silly. Like, she was so oh, yeah, angry. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, I've got a good feeling, you know, obviously got turned down. And she was like, well, I told you so. <laughs> and then afterwards, she just like, got, my, got myself together and sent out two free applications every day. Looked at different jobs, like, all around the world for my field. Um, literally from the British Antarctic Survey all the way to the Caribbean, to Indonesia, literally everywhere. Um, and I think it's a big thing to send out as many applications as you can, because it's always better to turn someone down than to not have anything, obviously, after university and no jobs and stuff. And yeah. I, I had to end up turning another job down that I got offered like two days before I then got offered the job from, from GVI the second time. Wow. Yeah, yeah so obviously that was, that was hard as well. I mean, it's a really awkward situation because someone obviously wants to hire you. They want you to work with them. Yeah. And everything and you have to be like oh i'm sorry but i found a better job that's always awkward so oh, just prepare yeah. yourself for that as well that's cold man yeah <laughs> all right well um i know you've just finished that position with gvi haven't you i have indeed yes it was a bit um bit of a bumpy ride these last few weeks i signed my extension in may yeah. um just had my we yeah, my one year anniversary there um in in june just now and obviously signed a one-year contract extension because I was like, I'm not ready to leave um, mentally. Like, it's so nice here. It's yeah. what I always wanted to do, diving every day, seeing all these crazy animals. Yeah. Um, 
But I always had in the back of my head, I always want to like improve further. I want to do a PhD down the line. And obviously the more, um, the more experience, different experience you can get, the more you then know what you want to do for the rest of your life. Like at the moment, I only know about coral reefs, but maybe I'd like to do something, um, maybe like spatial stuff of like sea ocean floors and stuff like that. Um, anyway, long story short, I ended up uh, again sending out job applications yeah. and got a job offer from a company called Necton, which is a deep ocean research institute based in Oxford. And I'll be yeah moving over there very soon in October. No. Way, yeah, oh. and um, yeah, gonna be doing some crazy ocean exploration. <laughs> that is absolutely crazy. Do you know whereabouts in the ocean you'll be going? Yeah, so I've through GVI, I had the opportunity to go and join them for two weeks when they were in the Indian Ocean in the Seychelles. They were and all the outer islands. And you have to like imagine they are a thousand kilometers away from the next island, just like dotted around. Yeah, um, no human population there, so it's literally for just really? like. Pure nature. Yeah. Um, so we went on this big research vessel and just went down and yeah. Apologies, everyone. That sound means that I've had to cut out the audio for that next bit as Nico decided to tell me some secret information that hasn't been publicly released yet and isn't allowed to be. So unfortunately, that audio has had to be cut and you won't know for a couple of weeks until he kind of announces it. Uh, but yeah, let's carry on the podcast from where he stopped talking about that stuff. I hope you're enjoying it so far. Let's get into it. But yeah, it's going to be somewhere, somewhere crazy in the oh, somewhere in the Indian Ocean. <laughs> that is so exciting. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm super excited, honestly. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned you were you were working in the Seychelles for just over a year. Um, what yeah. Was, what you kind of you delved into it a bit, but what's a bit more detail on like what you did? Because obviously you're a marine biologist, but you were were you doing sampling stuff with coral reefs, or were you what was it more like teaching the volunteers how to how to take samples is was it kind of you know something similar to that or was it less of a less of research based and more of something else yeah so obviously people often think that what we do is like you said not that much researchy a bit of like yeah. a little holly, holiday that people can go on it does look um, like a holiday i'm not gonna lie it does it does look <laughs> like it yeah but we actually we've got now we've got 15 years of continuous monitoring data which is like second wow. to almost nowhere in the world yeah, um, what, what we do is we do like we, we go diving like two three times a day um and then teach our volunteers how to identify different species so some of them might learn coral some might learn fish yeah um, others will learn invertebrates or any crustaceans or octopus or anything like soft or shelled that's like creeping about um <laughs> creeping yeah about. <laughs> is, that a, is that a marine biologist technical term by any chance that is literally is mate <laughs> um yeah so like yeah we id them teach them how to id them how to identify the different species and then show them how to monitor things so all our surveys they are done in situ which basically means we write down what we see and yeah. then analyze it afterwards we don't take any samples or anything we're literally just oh, right. we're very non-invasive just looking around um writing down what we see and then analyzing it afterwards yeah yeah okay cool sweet well um before we get into the whole more about your Seychelles job, um, I do want to just have a short interlude where I thank everyone. Um, firstly, thank you, Nico, to coming onto the show and helping me out, being my first guest. My um, pleasure. 
<laughs> and also thank you to everyone who's listened to my um intro episode and then my second episode which i posted um recently about optimism which was just me talking in one take i think it went pretty well um, but i am really really looking for loads of feedback so if you've got ways that i can improve what you heard on my second episode please let me know same for this episode you know if you if you think there's ways that we can improve this we're doing this through skype currently um i'm just kind of recording the call and i put it into this app and it, it goes from there uh, but if you've got any feedback on how to make it any better please please let me know um also a big shout out to the people that are listening in finland and switzerland because that is that is mental um <laughs> so yeah uh, yeah it's crazy there's people in finland listening and people in switzerland listening so it's good you know we're we're, we're in uh, nico's in germany currently i'm in uh the uk um, we both went to uni in wales in the uk um but yeah it's, it's a pretty cool i mean mr worldwide not quite but close you know um, yeah, getting, there. <laughs> getting there yeah um so let's let's move on to the all about the seychelles job i think um one of the things i want to know are some of like the best moments you had there when you were when you were working there um like in for gvi like we had where days we saw manta rays we see whale sharks and obviously that's like one of the that's most incredible thing. things that you can see yeah i mean a few years ago they used to be very common um but i think due to a lot of fishing bycatch and just climate change the oceans change a bit the seasons change um they kind of disappeared for quite a while so around where where we are based is is always amazing like i think we saw two whale or three whale sharks the last year and like a few manta rays four manta rays oceanic ones as well which are like unheard of around the inner islands where we work so that was that's always incredible like you never know when you jump in you never know what you're going to see and every dive is always going to be different so it's always it's always amazing yeah i bet so um so there's a funny story obviously the way you lived as we mentioned you were you were your beach was what like two minutes walk away and yeah <laughs> and you were living practically in a shack in the jungle for yeah yeah pretty much yeah. um what kind of the how obviously you mentioned the outer islands don't have people on isn't populated by by humans how populated you're on the main island right yeah so um the Seychelles they've got about 120 different islands and it's that large oh my god yeah man it's it's loads it's crazy i mean there's lots of little teeny tiny ones yeah um but life life centers around the what's called the inner islands on the plateau the granitic plateau so it's quite shallow water around them yeah. Um, that's where the main island Maha is, where I live. And then there's Curious, Ladig, uh, Pralin, um, all slightly bigger islands. Like some of them, they don't even have cars on them. You just walk around. They're that small. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that, that's where like 90% of the population lives. And then you have the outer islands, like a stove, the Roche, um, Puaf, like with all the fancy names, but there's no one there. They're mostly in, uninhabited. Yeah. So how much, um, how much interaction did you have with like the local people? I remember you told me a story of some guy tried to steal from your like complex. Oh my god! Yeah, you tried to take him down in the jungle. That was funny. <laughs> I mean, that that was obviously like the worst kind of um, interaction that we had. Yeah. Um, I mean, we we have a school session where we we teach a primary school around marine conservation once a week. Um, we go to different resorts to partake in coral transplantation and nurseries. So it's all like. Obviously, with the different agencies, we have a lot, a lot of stuff. And the people in general, they're super friendly. Like they're always smiling, they're always happy. Yeah. There's a proper like kind of island life culture around yeah. there, yeah. Um, which is obviously amazing. Once you get like stuck, stuck into that, like is 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 great. Honestly, it's really, really, really great. But, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, like like you said, I mean, um, I came home one day from work and we live in the middle of the jungle, so there's literally nothing going on there. Yeah. Um, but obviously people know that there's a lot of basically volunteers from around the world, probably with a lot of money coming there, living there. Um, so yeah, we had a guy trying to steal from us that we had to chase off through the jungle and called the police and everything, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> that is um, pretty I, crazy, to be fair. I mean, it happens a lot, unfortunately, not a lot anymore because obviously we put some barbed wire up and stuff and obviously secured our windows with, um, with some stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot, the, the minimum wage is not obviously high down there. So yeah. people, uh, people struggle sometimes. I mean, there's a lot of fishing tourism going on. Um, but yeah, if you I guess if you can't find a job, you've got to somehow survive. So unfortunately, yeah, that we had that once or twice where we uh, had people that tried to steal from us. But I, I think it's obviously the same anywhere in the world. Like yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, well, on the flip side of all of this, what were some of the challenges that you faced when you when you were out there and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, um, like you said, obviously we're living very where we are is beautiful. Um, it's a secluded bay. It's a national park and a marine park. Um, so that means there's no cars allowed in. Um, the road that leads there is like about a five, five to ten minute drive from the nearest little town. Yeah, uh, with a few stops and stuff. Um, and then to actual to the next city to Victoria or Bovalang, which are like the main cities on the island, it's like a good forty-five minutes to an hour in the car. So like wow. remoteness, isolation is a bit. Like it, it gets to you after a while. I mean, after work, you don't really like jump in the car and go to town for a beer or something, yeah. just because you will you will do a two hour round trip just for a beer. Um, so we might go to the cinema maybe once a week or once every two weeks, but um, it's not like oh we finished work, let's just go and chill in town somewhere or like, go there, go there, see this, go for a meal out. Um, so that's definitely something that that kind of gets to you. And we don't really have Wi-Fi as well. We've got work Wi-Fi. Um, but it's just too pricey, which is a joke as well. If you think that people are not earning a lot of money there and Wi-Fi is that expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's another thing. Obviously you have to kind of like deal with your mobile data as, as good as you can. So you can Skype your, your parents and everything, um, your friends and stuff, which is, which yeah. is hard. Like it's not isolation by itself because you live in a big group of like 20 to 30 people, but it's yeah. the fact that you just can't, you just can't go out and nip to the shops like as much as you would like to, or yeah. if you live in the town yeah fair enough yeah i can see why that'd be challenging obviously you're kind of i guess sometimes you get on top of each other's backs a bit you know you living in that kind of close proximity with nothing else to do you can sometimes tempers might fray things like that yeah 100 percent. yeah so you mentioned uh next and you went out with them on a deep sea exploration yes the seychelles um i would absolutely love to hear all about that (laughs) that actually is one of the funniest (laughs) funniest stories like i've ever personally experienced like the the way it came up was that um they needed someone that could id cobble species because they hadn't that someone had to leave because of a family emergency um and then my basically they asked my big boss my head like head manager um for help because they had someone on board at new gvi and they were like oh if you need someone gvi will definitely be able to help so they asked him he asked my boss on base who was leaving the company because he got a different job offer somewhere um so he was like oh i can't do it because i've got this handover i'm not allowed to leave yeah um, then our science coordinator so my science kind of manager she was um she was away somewhere so it came down to me um literally through like a lot of different instances and, and luck really in the end yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah so 
they asked me and um, I think my boss asked me on a Monday and it was like, um, it was April 1st and he was like, hey, um, do you want to go on this deep ocean research expedition and like dive in submersibles like to 200 meters and do all this crazy stuff? And I was like, hey, I made it's April 1st, like go on, I ask, ask me again tomorrow. And he's like, no, no I'm genuinely being serious. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Um, so I would literally just put it off as a joke, but then obviously I got a bit intrigued and I was like, is he actually made all this up or is there any like basis behind it? Because he was like, oh, they're going to email you tomorrow morning and then you can go on Thursday. And I was like, oh, mm, whatever. So <laughs> yeah, like I literally just put it off and then I was lying in bed that night and I was like, well, hang on a second. So Googled Necton and stuff. And then, um, literally saw that they were in the stations at the moment. They were doing all this crazy stuff. And I was like, nah, it can't be, can't be real. He's, he's got to be yeah. messing with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so got an email literally the next morning and they were like, oh yeah, um, you will be flying out to Alphonse, which is like 500 kilometers away by, by a little teeny tiny plane, um, transfer over to the ship, go around all these different islands, do all this stuff. Are you in? And I was like, are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> Am I in? I'm like, I'm, like, I'm oh. definitely in. Jesus Christ. I'm definitely in. Yeah. So I had like a day to go to town, get all my medicals, my seafarers medical, like safety boots and equipment and everything. Um, and literally <laughs> the next morning, like got up and yeah, flew on a plane to a teeny tiny island in the middle of nowhere and jumped on the ship. It's crazy. It's absolutely mental. That's mad. So what kind yeah. of things? So you say you dive to like 200 meters. Yeah. So the, the submarines, they, um, the submersibles they call them because they're obviously not submarines itself so they specialize little subs uh, that can they can dive down to i think about 250 meters um yeah so it was it's a case of we have a pilot we have a co-pilot and then you were able to to co-pilot with them um so they basically do everything by themselves and what they did is they tried to do deep ocean research so they wanted to see what's kind of below the deep deep ocean uh no, no sorry what's be below coral reefs um up to like 500 meters of water and that's why they put the subs in they had um a remote roboter like robotic vehicle an rov that was cruising around down to 500 meters so they could literally in increments see everything from 500 up to the surface with divers where we came in um awesome. and yeah they just needed someone to to help them with the coral reef aspect do some video surveys with um different underwater video equipment. Um, I got to jump in one of the subs. We dive to, I think we dive to 80, 90, 100 meters, something like that, um, which obviously is crazy. Like you sit in this little teeny tiny glass bubble yeah. and you just cruise around and you like, we saw a school of like sailfish, swordfish coming overhead. No um, on, on other dives, they saw 10 mantas swimming together in formation, hammerheads, That's like so loads sick. of loads of crazy stuff. It was, it was unreal. It was crazy. Yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. So um, you've talked about all of these incredible animals. Um, yeah. What is your favorite animal in general? <laughs> uh, I've got to say, I've never seen one, unfortunately. Um, but it's got to be the tiger shark. I really, really want to see one. They're super, super rare because they're super overfished, um, very threatened at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think they're definitely endangered of going extinct. Um, but you can see it in almost every ocean in the world, but I've, n- I've never been lucky enough to see one. So I hope one day I've, I get the chance to, to see a tiger shark, like so awesome. big what, shark tiger stripes on it. doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I'm a, I'm a shark fan myself. I love a good hammerhead. Oh uh, yeah. So what was the best animal that you saw when you were working in the Seychelles? Um, I'm going to say whale sharks. I yeah. obviously everybody was like, why would you not say whale shark? I've seen them before. I was very fortunate. I saw them before. 
um when i was snorkeling we saw a few of them we did this like snorkeling trip back in the day yeah um so we saw like six of them just swimming around together which was ridiculous and like that's <laughs> it's pretty crazy yeah yeah it's unheard of really and that was literally one of my favorite moments like i in, in my, like in, i remember every minute of it um of this like three hour trip and it was it was absolutely crazy yeah because obviously like people say oh yeah they're really big like they like they are massive yeah they are like they are huge right that's i'm not i'm not like exaggerating here compared no. to yourself were they like absolutely massive yeah i mean obviously you've got to think like it's always having you say oh a shark is six meters 10 meters or however long it's always like oh, how, how much is that yeah, yeah. Like, it was like the size of our dive boat like we've had a small speed boat so longer longer and wider than your average car i'd say yes. um <laughs> yeah so it was it was mad it's absolutely crazy um and they just they came up to the boat within like a couple of meters obviously you shouldn't touch any marine life just because it's normally bad for you or bad for them yeah uh, but yeah they literally had to avoid them because they were so curious they were just swimming around minding their own business feeding um so you like you just have to swim out of their way because obviously if like a an animal weighing a few tons is coming through you just need to move um <laughs> but yeah. yeah it was it was amazing honestly i definitely recommend if anyone ever has the chance to see them if they're on holiday somewhere and they're in the area, definitely do it. Like yeah. lifetime experience. Yeah. So you touched on it a couple of times, uh, moving into more kind of current, uh, current issues. Yeah. You, said, you know, sometimes a lot for a lot of the time, mantas, you know, were frequently seen and now they're not. And that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, obviously the big, I, I'm not going to let you on this podcast talk about marine biology and not talk about the whole plastic thing that's going on. Yeah. Um, so what is your, what was your experience of plastic when you were out there? I mean, um, not as bad as you, as you think, and as it might be in some areas. Um, but for us, it's a lot of seasonal stuff where we are on this side of the Island. We only get the onshore winds during six months of the year but we get a lot of plastic washed into the bay. Like you drive out and we constantly swerve around with the boat, um, either avoiding stuff or picking stuff up like bottles, absolutely yeah. anything. And if you see it as well, it's like, it's not from the Seychelles. It's definitely some, from somewhere else. Um, yeah. The problem is the Seychelles, they are like 2000 kilometers away from the nearest mainland. So it's, it's, it's a big issue if you think that plastic can travel that far. Yeah. And, um, you see well, it on the surface, you see it on the beach, you see it when you go diving, it's literally everywhere. And it's it's very annoying and it's very well, bad for the environment. Like you say, that's that's only from six months of the year, so places that would get it constantly must just be horrific. Yeah. Did and you notice it affecting like wildlife? Yeah, hundred percent. Um we we were very fortunate that we've never seen anything that got entangled or ingested or in any way like that. Yeah. Um personally, but in the last I think a couple of weeks there were two um there were two stories that came around the Seychelles. I mean the island is very small, it's like 30 kilometers long. So obviously it's, it's a small island. Um and on the east side, so on the opposite side, they had a big loggerhead turtle, um, or leatherback turtle even that got caught in a, a fishing net or a fishing line, and they they people jumped in, they filmed like someone filmed it with a GoPro and they jumped in and they cut it loose and then released it. So that was yeah. like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um because you don't you never really see them around the inner islands anyway and then the fact that you see one of them and it gets entangled into something so away is obviously is shocking yeah um and then even worse was they had a whale as well a whale and a calf um which are basically never really seen around the inner islands you sometimes get them in the outer islands where they migrate through 
Um, but yeah, around the inner islands, then they're unheard of. And this whale basically surfaced next to this boat and literally asked people for help because it, like, it just stayed on the surface and they jumped in. It took them like three and a half hours to cut all the fishing net off the, um, off the, off that mother, the, off the calf. Yeah, it was crazy. It was very heartbreaking. Um, yeah. Luckily, there was people around, but obviously, if not, then not only the mother would have died, but the calf as well. And if you think big animals like that, they take years to reproduce. So it's yeah, yeah. very bad. Oh, Jesus. Well, yeah. you mentioned as well, uh, obviously, plastic's not the only plastic part of the issue, but also yeah. like climate change is affecting how species reproduce. Yeah. Uh, that one of my housemates did a really interesting study um, where he looked, he was looking at the really interesting studies about how turtles lay their eggs on the shore and if the shore is you know a higher temperature than the eggs it dictated like their sex of the sex of the eggs is dictated by the temperatures yeah so exactly if it's higher than like 32 degrees or something then they're all the eggs are female and you've got no males to reproduce with sort of thing yeah that's the that's the issue yeah if it's if it's too warm then there will only females be spawning and obviously if you have that generation after generation yeah uh, the problem with turtles they always come back to their same beach that's yeah. why there's always a balance of males, females coming back. If there's obviously only females coming back in 20 years, they're not going to be able to reproduce anymore. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. did you have a, did you see, obviously you're only there for a year, so they kind of, you didn't have that prolonged period of time to kind of analyse it all, but was there yeah. any, did you see any kind of changes in the numbers of things you were seeing or the behaviours they were showing, anything like that? Yeah. Um, so for us, is we, we've, we've had a bleaching event lately in 2016, and we've had a small one this year again, which is yeah. a bit alarming because they're coming closer and closer together. Um, but we definitely saw we saw a massive reduction in coral cover by almost 80, 90 percent. Wow. Um, yeah, we saw fish is not really, it's still quite healthy, and they always take a few years to reflect those changes of the substrate. So that's yeah, still normal. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Plastic-wise, I mean, it's it's getting better. The stations, they ban plastic bags. They ban plastic straws. That's really um, good. Yeah, yeah. Everything is moving to biodegradable now. Um, so we're definitely getting somewhere there. Um, yeah, and then lastly, the beach cleans. Like, we do beach cleans every now and then. It's during the, the onshore winds. It's a lot. We can, last time we had 130 kilos of trash that we collected within, like, an hour. 130 kilos? Yeah, it was, like, oh, I think 25 bin bags worth. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's really, really, really bad. Oh my um, god! Yeah, but no. Apart from that, it's it's getting better. Like the reef is slowly recovering, and it always takes time. Like the the organisms they only grow some like a few centimeters or millimeters a year, so it does take a few years. But um, we do definitely we see a slow recovery um, setting on this year. So we yeah we're definitely going getting somewhere. Which yeah. Is good. Yeah, that's that's amazing to hear. I mean, it's it's horrible to hear in the first place, but the fact that it's yeah, there's there's changes being made and yeah. they seem to be working. That's perfect. That's really good to hear. Um, so obviously you mentioned, you know, you're going to Oxford and you're going to be doing the kind of deep sea stuff with Necton. Yeah. Uh, would you recommend a career in marine biology? Because obviously you said there was a lot of luck involved. Yeah. In, you worked with GBI for six years or so volunteering and then you got the job with them eventually. Would you say there's a lot of luck involved in a career in marine biology? Would you like recommend it for people to be doing, or is it more um, a case you think it's kind of quite a difficult one to get into? I um I would say yeah, it's it's hard. It's a very competitive field. Um, you have to make sure you commit to you commit to it 100. percent um, Yeah, that's good. You, with, yeah. with with different jobs, yeah, yeah, like with different jobs. I mean, it's 
it's a case of you can work anywhere. You can work anywhere in the UK, in Germany, Scotland, Wales, whatever you want to do. Um, but obviously, there's something marine related. And if you want to do something on coral reefs or anything tropical, that's where it gets really, really competitive because you have to have not only a good degree, like you need to get you need to get your shit together. Sorry to say it that way, but you need to get a good degree out yeah, of this. Yeah. Um, uh, out, of, out of uni to obviously put your head of a lot of other people and then with that whatever more qualifications you have whatever skills you have that will definitely put you on the top of the top of the pile like for me i had a i had a very good masters i had a i had my dive master my coral reef research diver had that volunteering experience a boat yeah. license yeah. so i i ticked and more i ticked all of the boxes they had for the job and more um yeah. so i was lucky enough to get hired but obviously if you don't have those the, that experience have those skills and uh, those qualifications that's where it gets tricky and that's when you probably need to look at maybe volunteering for a little bit after or be, during university where you can just get a little bit of extra experience four weeks is completely fine during summer yeah. um, and then you will be able to get those jobs one of my friends just now got a job in the Maldives after she completed her bachelor's her master's couldn't find anywhere did a four-week internship in Mexico and just got an amazing job in the Maldives just because of that internship they yeah, prefer yeah. to. Um, so it's definitely, is a lot of who you know um, and yeah, who you know and how to get involved with stuff. 100%. Like I, w- I would definitely recommend it because it's an amazing job. Um, there's definitely crazy jobs like what, I'm, what I've been doing for the last year. There's loads of stuff like that out there. You just yeah. need to be committed enough to your career to, um, yeah, to go and get it. Sweet. That's good advice, I think. Yeah, perfect. Like the you got to just go and be 100% into it and then you should be all right sort of thing. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's like definitely. most things. If you go in half-cocked, yeah. not really going to, not not normally going to pan out your way a lot of the time. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm going to get a bit deep on you here. Um, how did your experience in the Seychelles shape you as a person? Did it change you at all? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, I would say yes. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that, that was deep. Didn't expect that. Um, I would, I would definitely say yes. I mean, if you live in a, the country itself, is, is a beautiful country, but you also you see a lot of poverty. Um, and where we live, like we don't have, we don't have Wi-Fi twenty four hours a day. Um, you, you should obviously you share your bathroom. So there's a lot more basic everything, and I think you really get to appreciate the the amenities that you have around europe or around where you would live like every day which is um yeah which is not life-changing but it's definitely eye-opening i would say like i appreciate it a lot more i miss home like if you think you sat at home and uh, all you can think of is oh i want to go on holiday i want to go traveling i want to go explore all of this stuff and whilst i'm out there obviously every now and then like i miss my family so much and i've not really gone traveling and experienced any new stuff like whenever i had holidays i always was like no i want to go home I want to see my dog. I want to see my parents. I want to see my mates um, just because you can't see them every day. I mean, if you work, let's say one of you works in London and or has to move to London, whereas everybody else is staying in Scotland, for example, you can Skype every day, like, or you game together and you team speak or whatever. Like you're always chatting really on the phone. And obviously if you're living somewhere isolated, like 8,000 kilometers away, that's like, it was hard at first. Definitely was. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think if you obviously if you're thinking of getting into marine bio, just be prepared that you might not be able to get in touch with your loved ones and your family and friends um, every day. Just as a heads up. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, a lot of I think a lot of the modern day 
advice coming through to people like that are in high stress jobs or uh, find themselves quite highly strung because of yeah. like money or you know job security or anything like that yeah and the advice is is moving towards a kind of mindfulness put your phone down get off social media type direction um yeah. and obviously like you say you you the wi-fi was expensive you barely ever used it and after yeah. a while i suppose after a year out there with that kind of limited amount of internet and communication with other other people outside of you know the 30 you were living with yeah yes there's got to be a balance am i right in saying that's gonna be a balance yeah. between you being the um, turning your social media off but also having that communication at the same time yeah 100 percent. i mean it's like when i was out there every now and then i like post something on instagram um if i had the chance to like steal some free wi-fi somewhere at a hotel or at a restaurant or bar or whatever yeah um, up- updated my spotify but that was maybe once a month. Um, yeah, and yeah. if you think at home, you're constantly getting in your music, you're scrolling through Instagram. Like I literally, I got back and I downloaded like 1500 songs on my first day when I was back. Um, <laughs> that is, it was ridiculous. Um, I up- updated my phone. I think I had a six gigabyte phone software update that I didn't update for ages um, just because there wasn't Wi-Fi anywhere good enough to do it and download that much like, yeah. data. Um but then also the fact, like, I think it's quite shocking at the moment. I'm constantly sitting on my phone, just scrolling through Instagram, not really doing a lot. Just, I'm, I'm on holiday right now. So obviously it's like, do whatever you want. But um, yeah. whilst I'm out there, I maybe I'm on Instagram maybe like five minutes a day, just like quickly seeing if someone, one of my mates posted anything, check the group chat and then that's that. But yeah, um, yeah it's definitely, it's definitely changed like how much you use your phone and social media and everything. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I'd say you've earned a bit of time just to sit on, sit on your arms yeah. and scroll through Instagram having been out there for a year and only, only yeah the same with the group chat that we're in like you'd reply every couple of months and it'd be like seven different messages complying to like three different things that happened in the chat from yep. months ago as well funny yeah all right well um I guess my next question would be um if you could be or do anything else what would it be oh um I think <laughs> Do, to be fair, I wanted before I went down the marine biology path. I was always fascinated with flying and like becoming a pilot. And yeah. I actually went to these like uh, to this training center to see if I could get through this program, which I unfortunately didn't, or luckily didn't, if you want to look at it that way. Yeah. Um, but I think if I could choose anything, I might I might want to be a fighter jet pilot because I think there's not much cooler things than flying around in a fighter plane. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like Top Top Gun is one of my favorite films, and like. I literally loved it. Either that or being a professional athlete, like a professional footballer. Yeah. Um, where you can you may you take your hobby and you earn like ridiculous amounts of money from it. Yeah. Um, which I think would be cool as well. Like you're not having to worry about the next day really. Um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely I'm happy where I am. So I'm, I'm not spending too much thought on that to be honest. But I mean, if who wouldn't be wanting to earn money playing football? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, well, firstly, when you when did you decide that you wanted to be a marine biologist? Um, so I always was fascinated with it, um, like when I was a kid and like growing up. Yeah. But I always I was held back a little bit by as well. I was like, are you going to be able to earn enough money? Um, where you have to live? Are you going to be able to get a job? Because obviously the field is so competitive. Many people they are just scared of doing that step. Um, but yeah, after I volu- yeah. after I volunteered six years ago after school, um, after I failed that pilot kind of exam when I was I was like turning 18 I was just doing my A-levels um, so I was like oh you know what I'm, I'm just going to go for it like it's definitely the thing 
um, volunteers did that, my dive mask and everything. And it definitely was. I was like, this is absolutely amazing. Like, this is what I want to do 100% for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's sweet. That's so good. So yeah. when you kind of changing tack a little bit for this uh, final question. Um, yeah. We're nearly done. Uh, when you when you came out of uni, what, yeah. did, you, what did you expect was going to happen? And then, like, how did that compare to what actually happened? Um, I mean, when I was finishing, so initially I was supposed to do a bachelor, a bachelor's, and then just finish after that. And obviously you're thinking, oh, should I do a master's? I'm yeah. going to have better job chances, probably get a little bit of more money afterwards because you have more experience, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot between, should I just go and apply for jobs or should I go and do the master's? And then found out about this whole integrated thing. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to do this master's now. So I had another year then ready to decide. Um, but I straight away, I, went, I said, I need to go back and like just work out there, work in the field and get that experience. Um, and now, like with the, with that research trip, I think that really, for me, it focused me on doing probably doing a PhD. Like when I came out of uni, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever I want. Like I've, I'm done now. I'm done studying. I'm done with school. Yeah. I can go and work wherever I want, get this job yeah. and just like get all these ma- amazing experiences. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now I'm definitely again thinking like I'm almost 25 now. So I'm thinking again, it's like probably hopefully do a phd sooner rather than later and i actually quite like to go into into teaching um lecturing at university like teaching people um students about it um and hopefully like getting them to think as well um and like getting them to learn a bit of stuff being interested that would be definitely something that i'd love to do down the line um get get a phd in some sort of field which i'm not sure yet why i'm still working yeah i'll yeah. try to work out yeah get the get the phd do it and hopefully become a lecturer one day yeah that's sure. definitely something uh, that, I, that i love to do perfect that's really cool it's really interesting to hear actually yeah <laughs> i think same a similar similar situation for me obviously i'm still i'm still about to finish my master's yeah um, and then after that i'll kind of be going into the the second stage of becoming a sports psychologist but i was speaking yeah. to some people uh a couple of months ago now um down in liverpool and they were saying how they did PhDs and it's opened up doors for them to, to become lecturers. And actually the kind of the job situation is moving towards lecturers mm-hmm. and like applied sports psychs because everyone kind of has one now. And they um, yeah. it's becoming less important to have one because, you know, you've got the resources that are available and people are people are always kind of asking if they can help or they want a job. But the kind of the lecturing side of things is actually quite a good route to go down because not only, you know, talking about things that you enjoy. You're also getting paid for it. The pay is slightly better for sports psychology. I don't know if it's the same for marine biology, um, but that's definitely something to to think about if you're, you know, struggling for ideas when it comes out of uni for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you like studying, I guess obviously once you like your bachelor's, obviously you might have a lot of different um, aspects of your course as well. There's going to be some stuff that you don't really like that you're not really a big fan of, and there's going to be other things where you're like, oh, I actually love I love doing that. And I think that's where your masters will come come into place, where you're like, oh, I'm now focused on this one specific topic that I would really like to research. So yeah. for me, my masters was super easy. Like I was literally loving every day of it because I was like, oh, this is interesting because I'm constantly interested in what I'm doing and finding out new stuff. Um, so I'm obviously hoping that when once you will be doing a PhD to become an absolute expert in whatever field you choose to do it in. Yeah. Um, yeah. For, you, for you as well, that's going to be something where you're like, oh, I, I love to do this. I'm super interested in it. 
So it's not going to be a bane or anything. Like school and like uni can be sometimes. It should just be fun, really. Getting, learning new stuff and like getting to know new things. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that's yeah. sick. All right. Well, um, my my inter- my interrogation is finished. Um, <laughs> you're in the clear. Um, if you've got any, any messages to anyone uh, that you want to shout out, then feel free to do it now. Yeah. Um, well, big shout out to the team, I guess. Um, whilst, whilst we're here, whilst we're at it. Yeah. Um, shout, shout out to the Mad Dogs. Um, back in Bangor, if one of you guys is listening in, we hope we inspired you to do something. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then anyone, like, reach out to me. Uh, well, reach out to Nat. Obviously, get in, get in touch. See if you can, um, if you have any questions and stuff. Uh, maybe we can do another one, even explaining more things. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's a big thing, like, just, yeah, just be be interested in everything and learn as much as you can whilst whilst you can. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's my final words. Final yeah, words of wisdom. All right. Well, um, thank you so much, Nico, for coming on and being my first. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I had a, I had a great time. This was a really really good chat. Um, I think I definitely definitely want to get you back on and I'll get some more more questions for you. And we can yeah. bring maybe a bit more specific on the different uh, different things that you've done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it from us. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you've made it all the way through to the 50 minute ish po- podcast that we've just done. Um, follow me on Spotify. If you want to download anchor, you get more updates there. Um, I should be on, hopefully I keep saying it, but I really should be on iTunes soon. Um, I don't know the, the anchor app that I'm using normally just pushes it onto iTunes whenever it's ready. Uh, but it hasn't done that yet. So eventually I should be at least otherwise I'll start chasing people. Cause I really do want to be up there. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope, really, really hope you enjoyed it and it inspired you or kind of satiated your curiosity. I know it really helped my curiosity because I've been wondering what Nico's been doing for the past few years for ages. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much to everyone for listening and I will see you all in the next podcast episode. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.